today on the podcast, we are talking about a new resource. I'm going to call it a resource. It's really a book. And uh, anytime you do a podcast talking about a book, people are thinking, oh, what are they trying to sell me now? But hopefully, you know, in listening to this podcast, we're not really trying to sell a lot of stuff. But when we come across a resource that we think is going to be extremely helpful, why wouldn't we share it? I mean, we have to share it. And the thing about this one, this is a book you have coming out. Um, let's just go ahead and say it up front. Your book coming out October 15th, 2019. So in about a month, this is going to hit the shelves. And normally, we might talk about a book as an ad. We might reference something to help you in ministry. But one of the things about this book is, in my opinion, this book is for every single person. This is not just a how-to ministry book. This is not just a how do I do discipleship groups or, or launch into discipleship or study. Like Here and Now is a great book. Uh, highly recommended. I'm not trying to diminish any of your other books, but this specific book, and the reason we're going to focus an entire podcast on it is because I think it's helpful in the face of one of the biggest challenges facing us in America right now, the opioid crisis. Now, the book is not necessarily about the opioid crisis, but it's about how to find help in Christ as you struggle with that kind of thing. And I would argue that most of us know someone who is dealing with opioid addiction. Um, in, our, in our culture right now, everybody is taking medicine. Everybody's medicated. Everybody, I mean, if you think about it, years ago, that was not something that happened a lot. Now it is like everybody is taking something for something. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that, that sounded good. Everybody's taking something for something. Yeah. Except me, by the way. I'm taking that. I, I'm only using, <laughs> I am only <laughs> using oils. Wow. Essential oils. <laughs> Are you serious? I, I, I'm, only, <laughs> I'm only using oil. Wow. I'm just kidding. I will take an Advil just like that if I'm okay. in pain of any kind. But you do use oils, though. I do use oils. Okay. I used to be someone I do, who, I who use made oils fun too. of oils. No, you used to. I would you, mock the oils. No, I know you did. You used to mock and me. Then, and, <laughs> and a lot then of people mock one me. One time I was sick, and my wife said, here, we need some of this. Uh, maybe it's frankincense or something. Pro tip here. You want no, a pro I tip? Do. This is a guaranteed tip. You're oh, gonna laugh. boy. I'm just telling Wait, you. Wait, is there medical support for this tip? No, do not take, do not, do not write emails. <laughs> Please consult your physician this is not, before yeah. you use anything yeah. we well, talk about Well, I, I don't on think show. you need to consult your physician, <laughs> but I will say this. I used to laugh at the oils, particularly when it comes to getting sick. And the thing is... I, I was an oil uh, applier. I was not an oil digester. Oh, it's a big difference. What? Do you know there's what? application versus digestion? Yes. You know. What Are the, you saying you drank the oils? Close. <laughs> close. Wow. Again, don't please knock it till do you not swallow. drink any oils. Don't knock it. No. Here's what you do. You get these little capsules. Okay. Yes. You oh, buy my the wife. Is, I've seen. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the capsules. Here's the here's the combination. Three drops of thieves. Now we're part of Young Living. I know there's a big yeah. old war back and forth with Doterra, Doterra and, Young, and Living. Young Living. But the re- we need but, to talk about that battle on the podcast at some point. No, we we'll get they, we'll get we'll lose this. <laughs> That's a okay. whole different podcast. I'm not condoning or, or endorsing either no. one. Although I am a a, a part of Young Living. But anyway, so uh, three. Which, drops. by the way, backstory: Young Living is something that Pastor Robbie is. Is uses and then in my house we use Doterra. Doterra, right? So we even have the war so, I mean, going on right we're here. We're at odds right now. Okay, <laughs> three drops. My peppermint's of, way better than your peppermint's. It may I'm be, saying. but it's not better than this. Three <laughs> drops of thieves in a capsule. Colton, you're listening. Three drops of thieves. Thieves. Three drops of oregano. Oregano. You take that every two to three hours in the capsule. And listen, it just happened. I just got sick a couple weeks ago. I did this three, three, two to three capsules a day. Chris, the coal was gone in three wow. days, start to finish. Once again, we are not medical professionals, nor do we advocate for any type of medical help in any way. But if you're sick and in a pinch, 
you'll thank me later. Okay, let's get to the <laughs> on to something. We're talking far about more recovering from pills, recovery. and here I am promoting. So, pills. just as a backstory to this book, this book is called "Recovered: How an Accident, Alcohol, and Addiction Led Me to God." Mm. Not too long ago, we were at the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. We have a booth there for Replicate. We talk to pastors and church leaders uh, from all over about how to make disciples. Yeah. And uh, one of my old friends uh, walked up, and, and we were kind of hanging out with her and talking a little bit. And as she was stepping away, I mentioned that she should ask you about your testimony. I didn't realize she had never heard your testimony. Yeah. I just thought I just assumed anyone familiar with Replicate knew your testimony. Okay. And you've talked about some elements of it here on the podcast. Uh, but this book is really the story of your journey— from someone who was addicted to drugs, selling drugs, to moving on from that life in your relationship with Christ, and how really how Jesus rescued you from that. Yeah. Um, and, and thus, the title, I love the title, Recovered. I think, didn't Candy come up with that title? Uh, I can't remember. Maybe. I, I don't want to give props where they're not due, but I'm pretty sure it was Candy. Uh, she comes up with a lot of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Recovered is just a great title because it talks about how you were recovered from this life, yeah. and obviously you went through recovery. So there's some real-life application here because it's a real-life story. Yeah. This is not theory. This is not your ideas on how people should work through this. It's really how God rescued you. Yeah, and, and so here's, here's why I wrote the book. A lot of people probably thinking why are you writing a life story you're 42 years old really a life story here's the reason i wanted to write this uh book uh two reasons number one is this i I wanted to write this book to give hope to people who are dealing with addiction um there's there's in that world and if you're not if you're connected to someone or maybe you're struggling yourself you know there's not a lot of hope uh there's not a lot of light uh, there's not a lot of um, sobriety or victory in that in that world. So, number one is I wanted to write a book to show people that God still works, and sobriety without Christ is always a dead end street. Okay, so you can experience momentary seasons of sobriety. Uh, you can go to AA meetings. You could go to NA meetings. You could go to counseling. You could go to treatment. You go to rehab. Yeah. But if you come back and you try to do it and attempt to do it without Christ, like I tried to do the first time, you're going to realize that sobriety without Christ is a cul-de-sac. There's one way in. There's really no way out. There's no freedom from that. But when you surrender your life to Christ, as I talk about in this book, and and really I wrote the book to a secular audience. This is not a quote-unquote Christian book. Um, In fact, a lot of people I think will pick this up and read it and kind of be pulled into the story because I don't come to Christ. I don't think until later in the book, chapter 15, I think it is, or 16. So they're going to hear a, a story uh, about just these crazy things that went on. And, and you really start to think, is this guy ever going to come and get his life right? Because when you read the story, I, I relapsed, uh, I relapsed twice. Um, I, I, well, actually I relapsed three times. Uh, I went to treatment twice. Um, I experienced, um, just pain after pain, struggle after struggle. Talk about the time I had a hit and run uh, coming home from scoring uh, eight ball of cocaine. I'm coming home, a guy, and now, and, and looking back, the guy actually, this was the third time he got, quote unquote, hit by someone and sued the insurance company. I just happened to be. So this guy was intentionally no, getting this is hit. True. This is true. So yeah. that he could then sue the person hitting them. Yeah, well, wow. the, and the only reason I knew this wow. is because when the insurance company called me and said, you need to plead guilty so we can settle with this guy, uh, I realized that this was the third or fourth time he had done this. But but still, I hit, I hit him and took off. 
uh, police pull me over, uh, of all places, at a snowball stand on a Friday in front of everybody, put me, uh, you know, we're going to handcuff me and put me in the car. But anyway, that, that's in the book. Stole from my own parents for $15,000. Live without a ga- gas, electricity, and water for a season. Um, had 180 to $200 a day heroin and cocaine addiction. And, and people read that and they say, wow, I would never get there. Like, how could you get there? I would never get there. Here's what I want people to understand. No one ever starts out taking pain meds from an injury and says, I want to ruin my life, steal from my family, um, live without gas, electricity, and water, and destroy everything. Nobody sets out to do that, but it happens. And so hopefully through the beginning part of the book, I want people to see some of the pitfalls of sin. Because here's the thing about sin, and, and you probably heard this before, but it's Kind of a good recap for us. Sin will always take you further than you want to go. It'll always keep you there longer than you want to stay. And it's going to always cost you more than you ever want to pay. I mean, that's the way sin works. Well, and and you mentioned this earlier. It's not like you woke up one day and said, man, I'd like to get into a drug addicted spiral that takes me to homelessness. Nobody (laughs) Nobody says that. That's how I'm going to kick off today. But what started all of this was actually an accident. That yeah. many people have had a, a, an accident in their car, you know, or truck or whatever they've been hit, or maybe they hit someone, or whatever. Uh, we've we've all probably. I think the statistics are like everyone will be in two point five accidents in America in their wow. lifetime. Uh, I don't know where I got that, but I think I've that's got a that real already statistic. covered. So by the way, we need to see if Dylan can check the facts on that. Facts one. on that one. Uh, but yeah, I've already my accidents are covered. I'm good for the rest of my okay. life. But anyway, you get this started with an accident, and then you you merely went in to say, how do I deal with this pain? Yeah. And then what happened from there? Well, that's how it happens. I mean, the, you, you know a lot of people who started like this. They had a legitimate back surgery or a shoulder injury or, worst case scenario, a toothache. You go in for a, for a wisdom tooth. Doctor gives you pain. You can become hooked on uh, oxycodone or oxycotton after five days days of taking it. You you hear that? Mm. Because what happens with addiction is it it, it alters the state of what's called the middle brain, Mm. the part of your brain. There was a research study done years ago where a doctor in the 50s, I think late 50s, uh, took a bunch of rats. It's always rats. Yeah. Always rats. Poor rats. But <laughs> No one cares about rats. So yeah. it's like, go ahead. Test why is all, it not like a mongoose? Test all of so our- Why are we not testing like a- Snakes. Like a squirrel. I'm thinking snakes exist yes. to have drugs tested Listen, on them. Now you, you may be onto something. Who would, who would be unhappy with a snake having a drug tested on it? I don't think anybody would. I mean, maybe that maybe that's the next level of, of testing. <laughs> you may be onto something. But anyway, so they tested these mice. Here's what they found out. They put these hair uh, hair size pins in the brain of mice with uh, cocaine on the end of it. Hmm. And what they did is they kept putting it in parts of the brain. Nothing triggered. It didn't mess with the mice at all. As soon as the doctor put the cocaine-injected needles in the middle of the brain, it's called the midbrain, the mice went crazy. They would uh, give up food to get high. They would click a clicker with their foot to get high. They would, do it. they would walk across electrified flooring to get high. They would starve themselves to just get high. And what they found was once the brain is triggered, it's impossible to go back to a pre-triggered existence. Okay, so meaning once the person's brain, like mine, like I didn't realize I had an addiction or uh, or, or a propensity to addiction until I started taking the drugs, and then from that moment on, it kind of altered the rest of my life. Here's what here's what I, I want to share with you about the book. You're going to disciple a lot of people uh, who either are struggling with addiction of some sort. You're going to disciple a lot of people who have family members, sons or daughters, relatives, family members 
who are struggling with addiction. And sadly, and, and, and honestly, most people don't know what to do with that. I, I counsel people, and you know this, Chris, I counsel people just about every week, either in person or on the phone, who come in and say, my son's on drugs and alcohol, we've gone to every rehab treatment, we don't know what to do. Um, my, my daughter's addicted to drugs, she's lost her marriage, she's facing jail time, what do I do? And normally people come to the pastor after they've tried everything. Well, let's talk more about that solution after this brief break from our sponsor. So if you're dealing with addiction, know someone who's dealing with addiction, or maybe you're a minister or church leader who's trying to help someone, a family, a child of a friend, your own children, whoever it may be, um, you want to check out the website connected to this to just get some resources, some additional help uh, so that you can help these individuals or you can find your help yourself. What is the name of that website, Pastor? The website is called recoveredtreatment.com. And basically there are links to recovery centers, uh, there are links to the kind of treatment protocol I went through called NAD, which is really groundbreaking. Not a lot of people have heard about it, but uh, this is really a one-stop shop for help. So if you're a pastor or a person who's addicted or know someone who's struggling with addiction, this is a place for you, recoveredtreatment.com. Recoveredtreatment.com for more resources and help. And we're back. We're talking about some uh, some books that help, and mainly a book that helps, not multiple books, yeah. but one called Recovered. Well, let me stop you there. That's why I wrote the book. Yeah. So after, okay, let me ask you, don't use Recovered because you've read it, but let's say right now, guy comes into you and says, hey, my son, 19 years old, yeah. is addicted to pharmaceutical drugs. What, do, what can I read or where can I go for help? Yeah. What's a book I can I mean, read the, right now? I wouldn't know what book to tell them, so I'd probably get on Amazon and look up some books, you know, or, you know, I'd probably say uh, you need to go to Celebrate Recovery. I think that's what most pastors at churches or church leaders would say. We'd kind of point them to that ministry or hand them off to that ministry or whoever leads that ministry if there is one in our local area, because that's honestly all I would know to do. Yeah. I wouldn't have any idea. And listen, that's exactly what I would tell them, too. In fact, in the book, I promote Celebrate Recovery. We have a great relationship with John Baker and his family. Uh, we just hosted their yeah. I need to read conference. his endorsement later. You John can Baker. read his endorsement. Yeah, John Baker he endorsed, endorsed the, book. the book. But here's a cool thing, or here's an interesting thing. When I started to look like you for books to help people, there was nothing out there from a Christian perspective. Okay, Here, here's here's really the the key to the whole book. The first part of the book, in fact, most of the book is about my testimony, how I was raised in a good Catholic home, went to church every Sunday, didn't know the Lord, but uh, really knew who he was, but not a relationship with him, uh, got in a car accident, radically saved from drugs and alcohol, relapsed trying to save my friends because I thought I was invincible, great lessons there, then finally came back to the Lord, and little did my parents know when they took me in as unbelieving parents after stealing money from them, little did they know that they were saving me physically, but God had bigger plans because he used my salvation physically and my parents saved me physically for me to share Christ so that they would get saved spiritually. That's how the book ends. The book ends with me. I'm not going to tell you. Well, you can't give it away. Yeah, I don't want to read it. But anyway, having read this book, honestly, um, it is just a compelling story. Like I would read this as a fiction book thinking, man, this is incredible. Uh, but to know that this is what God has done in your life, this is the journey you've taken. And now as a, as a senior pastor at a church leading thousands spiritually, it's just an incredible story of God rescuing someone literally from the pit <laughs> and taking them on a journey uh, then to be able to lead and surrender to God to see what God is doing in your life right now and in the life of our church. And, and it's just strong. It's powerful in that way. You know, Platt, when David Platt and I 
first started meeting together, I would tell him these stories on car rides. Okay, so I'd tell. I him would about love to have sat in the back seat. Oh man, you right. should have seen David. <laughs> David, who, with all due respect, has never seen or experienced that lifestyle personally. <laughs> really, it's like the twins. Really, movie, you know, Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito, and there are a lot of similarities there. But anyway. So here's David Platt. Wait, are you saying David Platt is like Danny DeVito? Well, not really, but he is kind of, he's not as, you know, he's a little bit bigger. But anyway. That's all I got out of that. David (laughs) David Platt, uh, you know, I used to call him the Doogie Hauser of Christianity because he's like, you know, he's like the wonder boy. You know, he's gifted and and, and God's got his hand up. So wonderkind, some would say. So his close friend at the time, who's former drug addict, bouncer, bartender, uh, MMA fighter, when we would show up, they thought I was David's bodyguard, right? Like, what's this guy doing breaking phone books? But anyway, so I would tell David these stories <laughs> driving. You know, I would tell David about starting my own t- uh, talk show at a bar like the Tom Green show. And he would look at me like, you know, what in the world? And I would tell him about uh, getting stopped by the police with drugs in the car and getting let go. I would tell him about taking He was drugs thinking to- this guy's lying. Every well, word out of his mouth day. is he's a lie. He told me. But he wouldn't believe me. So I'd call my mom or dad on the phone. I'd say, Dad. Tell David about the time I was driving home, and my dad would stop and say, the time you hit the guy and took off and got busted by the police at the snowball stand? I'd say, David, I told you. So here's what he told me. When, when he was coming to my wedding, David stood in my wedding, he told me, he jokingly said to my family, he said, I have to be honest with you. When I first met Robbie, I thought every story he told was made up. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he made him up. He said, but the more I've gotten to know him, it's crazy that God used all those things to bring him to Christ. Okay, here's what I want to tell you. The, the, the reason I wrote this book, this is the key. All of the story is is neat, but here's the thing. The story is to connect with the addict or the family who's dealing with addiction. Here's one of the things about an addict or somebody struggling with an addiction. And if you're listening and that's you, then you know what I'm talking about. An addict or a pastor, listen to me. The addict looks at the counselor like I did and says to themselves, what does this person know about my addiction? This is a trained book smart psychologist or a psychiatrist. They don't, that's what I used to say. What is this person going to tell me about addiction? So what I wanted to do in the book is I wanted to connect so that they could say, man, we resonate with this story. Here's the, 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 the price of the book is the final chapter. It's called notes for recoverers, notes for recoverers. And here's the whole point. The point of that chapter is I give seven or eight practical steps on how to experience victory and sobriety in the Christian life from a, from a biblical perspective. So I'll give, you, I'll give you just one of them, okay? One of them, and then I don't want to give you all because uh, it's just a lot, but th- give you one of them. My mom, after finding out that I had stole from them for $15,000, you can imagine my close-knit family, they were furious. Dad was disappointed. She called me on the phone and she said, Robbie, we found out about what you did. I charged $15,000 and then sold this stuff, pawned it for money to buy drugs. She said, we found out about what you did. Your father is furious. I'm disappointed. Don't you ever step foot at this house again, ever. I want you to imagine your mom tells you that. Colton, your parents call you up and say, don't ever come home again. Dylan, same thing. Well, what I do, I was a prideful, arrogant drug addict. I said, Mom, I don't need you guys. Never did, never will. Hung up the phone, and I spent the little bit of money I had on drugs, which lasted about four days. And then for the next two and a half months, it was hell on earth. I live without gas, electricity, and water. We mastered the art of the cold shower. Okay, And here's the thing. I literally went to the bottom. I tell people I had to go so low where the only place to look was up to Christ. I was desperate, and I needed to turn to Okay, but here's the thing. It was the tough love of my mom and dad who, which, which saved my life. Okay, the, the reason you have a perpetual, don't miss this, the reason you have a perpetual drug addiction 
it's always the direct result of an enabler. Normally, it's a mom. In my case, it was dad. But normally, it's a mom. The mom says, we love him. We care about him. We'll pay his rent twice this month, which is always, for me as a drug addict, the rent was always due twice. The phone bill was always due three times. Always. I know you're going to think this is crazy, dad, but I have to pay the phone bill again. And that was all money for drugs, okay? In my case, it was my dad. But here's the thing. My mom cut me off. And here's what happened. I had to have a bottom created in order for me to turn to Christ. Listen to me closely. Here's a line I've come up with. If you keep being their savior as an enabler, Jesus never will be. Okay? What what I mean by that? If you keep bailing them out and helping them and not help and not creating a bottom for them to hit in order to turn and get help, they'll never turn to Christ. Why would they? They don't need Christ. They have you. My parents created this bottom for me. That's one of the steps of seven or eight to help turn to Christ. And, and, and basically, that's, the pro- that's worth the yeah. whole book. Well, I want to wrap up by uh, I wanted to, to share a couple of uh, you, you can take our word for it, but if you want to see how powerful this could be, a couple people have endorsed it. A lot of people have endorsed it, but a couple who, uh, who you think, man, these people probably know what they're talking about. One of them is Daryl Strawberry. You remember his journey? Very similar. Yeah. Uh, famous baseball player, drug addiction, Christ turned his life Good around. Good friend of mine. He uh, said, Recovered is yeah. a powerful read for anyone struggling with addiction and the desire to be free. As you turn the pages of this book, your shame will be lifted through Robbie's depth of honesty, and it shows you how to enter into freedom through the power of Christ. That was pretty strong coming from from our friend Daryl. And yeah. then the founder of Celebrate Recovery, uh, Pastor John Baker, he said, this is an amazing book. Pastor Robbie Gallaty openly shares his story and his battle with his addictions. His journey is real and honest, and when he finally was able to turn his life and will completely, uh, when he was finally able to turn his life over completely to Christ, it was dramatically changed. God continues to use him to help many others with their struggles. This book is a must read. Wow. So don't yeah. go get the book just to read it for yourself. I mean, that's one thing, but this is something you're going to be able to help others with. When they come to you with struggles, this is a resource that can help you help people that you may not know otherwise how to help. And then to make sure we wrap up with the facts that we promise people. Ooh. It is not 2.5 wrecks in a lifetime. Really? I was. This may surprise you. I was wrong. Okay. First time. First time for everything, right? Well, you've never wrong. been wrong yet. But <laughs> That's a joke. But anyway. <laughs> Four accidents in your lifetime or what? one every 18 years. That's oh, crazy. Oh, boy. How many motorcycle You know accidents? how I've been driving around with confidence thinking I'd already had my accidents? No no longer is that true. I'm thinking about getting a motorcycle. Is that <laughs> the, No, just full, full disclosure. And on that Does note. that raise the amount of accidents that you have? <laughs> I'm going to allow our status. That's a whole other We'll story. talk about that next time <laughs> on the podcast. Thank you for joining, uh, joining us this week. Download the podcast share it with friends go to itunes give us a five-star rating check it out on spotify and check out the book that's right october 15th this year thank you for joining us for this episode of making disciples with robbie gallaty if you don't mind take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast you can find out more about disciple making resources related to disciple making and our customized training on our website at replicate.org